0: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
0: Karen, we begin with the biggest banks on Wall Street rallying this morning. This comes after they passed the Federal Reserve's annual stress tests. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's John Tucker in New York. Good morning, John.
2: And Nathan, after the collapse of three U.S. banks, this year's stress tests they carried extra weight. A uh, passing grade on the annual exam for the 23 lenders means they can probably go ahead and pay billions of dollars in dividends to shareholders. The results determine how much capital banks need to set aside as a cushion. Allison Williams is the senior bank analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. The good news is that the capital requirements are basically headed
3: lower as a result of this test.
2: Well, less of a required cushion means more for shareholders. J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, their balance sheets showed improved resiliency. Well, Citigroup, Citizens Financial, and Capital One were less resilient. I'm looking at shares trading at the pre-market right now. You have J.P. Morgan Chase, that's up 1.2%. Bank of America is up 1%. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, John, thank you. We'll we turn to the broader economy now and hawkish talk from central bankers. For the second day in a row, Jay Powell is signaling more rate hikes are on the way. The Fed chair spoke this morning at a Bank of Spain conference in Madrid.
0: As noted in the FOMC's Summary of Economic Projections, a strong majority of committee participants expect that it will be appropriate to raise interest rates two or more times by the end of this year.
1: And Jay Powell says the Fed still has a long way to go to get inflation back down to 2 percent.
0: Now, while rates do appear headed higher, Karen, a former Fed official says the central bank could take a U-turn as soon as next year. We caught up with former Federal Reserve Vice Chair Richard Clarida.
4: The Fed's rationale is that if they succeed and inflation starts to fall... They can cut rates basically to keep real rates uh, uh, unchanged. And so I do think their baseline probably does have some cuts, does have cuts for next year, certainly in the baseline. The question is markets, I think, have priced in more uh, than the Fed sees right now.
0: Former Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarida says he can see inflation falling below 3 percent next year.
1: Well, Nathan, as inflation and rates remain front and center, U.S.-China relations are also in focus this morning. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she hopes her upcoming trip to China will lead to better ties between the world's two largest economies. We really welcome and want to um, have a healthy economic relationship, and we think it's generally beneficial. Uh, we have disagreements um, my hope in traveling to China is to reestablish contact. There are a new group of leaders. We need to get to know one another. And Secretary Yellen made the comments in an interview with MSNBC.
0: President Biden is staying laser focused on the economy, Karen. It has emerged as a major theme in the president's reelection campaign. In Chicago yesterday, the president said Bidenomics is working and the trickle down approach from Republicans has failed the middle class. Under trickle-down economics, it didn't matter whether you made things as long as you helped the company's bottom line. Even if that meant seeing jobs and industries go overseas for cheaper labor, supply chains and key products moved overseas, like China and much of Asia. President Biden says the billions spent under the Chips and Science and Inflation Reduction Acts will grow the middle class and promote competition to cut costs.
1: Meantime, Nathan, we're learning more about the sleeping habits of the president. It's been disclosed that Mr. Biden now uses a CPAP machine at night. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has more from Washington.
3: President Biden first disclosed his sleep apnea during the campaign in 2008. It's a common condition in which your airway becomes obstructed while you're asleep, and that can restrict airflow. The president's medical report also shows he's dealt with restricted airways for most of his life. He has asthma and carries an inhaler. So the White House says the apnea isn't new, but the use of the machine is. The CPAP machine helps improve sleep quality and reduce snoring. President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Polls show his age and fitness are his biggest liability as he seeks re-election. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak.
0: Thank you, Amy. Turning back to markets, shares of Micron Technology are up three and a half percent in early trading after an upbeat forecast from the chip maker. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Micron is the largest American chipmaker,
2: and the quarter indicates that an industry glut is easing even as the chipmaker continues to face challenges in China. Like many of its peers, Micron has suffered a collapse in orders for its products after sluggish demand for smartphones and personal computers led to a buildup of inventory. In New York, Charlie Pellett, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, elsewhere on Wall Street, we're learning Fidelity Investments plans to convert six more of its mutual funds into exchange-traded funds. According to a court filing, the asset manager will turn these six actively managed mutual funds into ETFs in November. Those Fidelity funds collectively manage assets worth roughly $13 billion.
0: Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Air quality emergency
5: from the Canadian wildfires is growing in the U.S. At least 20 states and several major cities from Chicago to Detroit to Pittsburgh are affected. New York City will see smog today. Emergency room physician Dr. Darian Sutton. The chemicals inside that bloom are what's dangerous. And I'm talking not just about the soot that you might see on the
6: ground, I'm talking about microscopic chemicals, things like nitrogen dioxide, sulfur dioxide,
5: carbon monoxide, Dr. Sutton spoke to ABC. Ahead of 4th of July travel this weekend, airlines are playing catch-up after widespread flight delays blamed on weather and staffing issues. Passengers in the New York area have been frustrated as well as these passengers in San Francisco.
0: I've got my wife who hasn't slept in like 36 hours, I've got two kids, they are just absolutely spent.
5: Experts say the FAA needs more air traffic controllers. The investigation into the implosion of the Titan submersible is expected to focus in part on the carbon composite construction. Bloomberg's Dan Schwartzman reports recovery efforts continue for the wreckage of the sub.
0: Nearly one week after the conclusion of the search for the Titan submersible vehicle, debris from the craft was hauled back to shore near Newfoundland in Canada. Five people were killed after the Titan suffered a catastrophic implosion as it descended on the wreckage of the Titanic. The pieces of the craft recovered include some of the hull as well as a circular portal window. Human remains have also been found with officials saying medical professionals will study and analyze them for clues. The debris will be examined as investigators look for a cause as to what led to the deadly implosion. In New York, I'm Dan Schwartzman, Bloomberg Daybreak. New details
5: about the Wagner Rebellion in Russia, according to ABC, a senior US official says that the leader of the mercenary group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, contacted top Russian leaders in Moscow before the mutiny, possibly to seek their help in the uprising. Kremlin officials call that gossip. Madonna spent several days in the ICU because of a bacterial infection. This postponed her 2023 celebration tour that was supposed to start July 15th in Vancouver. Her manager says she is expected to make a full recovery. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay,
0: Michael, thanks. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. After a perfect night, here's John Stashhour. Yeah, right, Nathan. Domingo Herman.
6: he's had his ups and downs as a Yankee, really more down than up since he was an 18-game winner back in 2019. Injuries at a long suspension for domestic violence, a recent suspension for using an illegal substance on his pitching hand. Herman took the mound in Oakland. Having allowed 15 earned runs in his last two starts, but before a crowd of only 12,000, perfection 27 up, 27 down. The Yankees beat the A's 11 to nothing, with Herman throwing the 24th perfect game in MLB history, the fourth by a Yankee. Herman joins David Wells, David Cohn, and Don Larson. His, of course, came in the 1956 World Series. He struck out nine, got help in the fifth inning on a diving stop by Anthony Rizzo. As for the Mets, 5 2 loss at City Field to Milwaukee, so the Mets' record over the last 23 game six and 17 their owner Steve Cohen held a rare press conference before the game was asked about making changes I, I'm a patient guy okay now everybody wants an, you know a headline everybody says fire this person fire that person but I, I don't see that as a way to operate um, if you want to attract good people to this organization the worst thing you can do is be impulsive. Cohen said he wants to hire a president of baseball operations to oversee GM Billy Epler, but he hasn't found the right person. They held the NHL draft in Nashville. First pick to Chicago taking 17-year-old phenom Connor Bedard. He scored 71 goals in 51 games in the Western Hockey League. Rangers in the first round drafted Gabriel per- uh, Perot. His father had a long NHL career. The Devils, who acquired Timo Meyer from San Jose, have given him an eight-year extension. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports.
5: From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the
0: Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Could Jay Powell really ratchet down rates? It's possible, depending on where inflation goes over the next several months. In a conversation with Bloomberg's Matt Miller and Katie Greifeld, PIMCO, Global Economic Advisor and former Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarida used those exact words, ratchet down, to describe the Fed's rate hike path. He also offered his outlook for recession in the U.S. Let's listen into that conversation now.
4: I think at the last press conference, Matt, he indicated it may be several years before they project inflation getting down all the way to 2%. uh, Um, But the SEP projections themselves actually do have rate cuts in uh, for next year. The Fed's rationale is that if they succeed and inflation starts to fall, they can cut rates basically to keep real rates uh, uh, unchanged. And so I do think their baseline probably does have some cuts, does have cuts for next year, certainly in the baseline. The question is markets, I think, have priced in more uh, than the Fed sees right now.
1: And in looking through the headlines of what we heard, this caught my eye sort of on this topic, is that Powell sees U.S. getting 2 percent core inflation by 2025. And to your point that if you look at the dot plot, you actually see some cuts penciled in next year. Is there a situation where, okay, we're not at 2 percent yet, but the Fed sees something and is willing to cut even though we're not back to target?
4: Oh yes, in fact, that's that's really our baseline view uh, at, at Pimco. It's what we sometimes call the two point something uh, a, a destination. That is, we could see them uh, under their under their outlook. We could see inflation next year falling below three. Uh, that's obviously is not two, uh, but in that context, inflation will have fallen substantially, and we do think the Fed can ratchet down and would ratchet down rates uh, in those uh, circumstances. Uh, and so, so, yeah, so, yes. obviously, you know, the Fed will be like uh, the ECB and other central banks uh, will be especially data uh, dependent. But, yeah, we could see cuts uh, next year, even if inflation remains somewhat above two percent
1: on June fifteenth, after the Fed meeting on Bloomberg television, I believe it was, you made the point that I really think that for the first time in a long time that the Fed is data dependent. Does that imply that up until this point, Perhaps they hadn't been. What has changed that now they are definitely data dependent?
4: Well, quite frankly, the Fed really risked uh, falling behind the curve uh, last year. Uh, you know, they only began to hike rates uh, at the March of 2022 uh, meeting. Um, and then under Jay Powell's leadership, and I think he showed excellent leadership, he he unified the committee to a very, very aggressive, steep uh, Liftoff path, and I actually thought, really, for most of last year, uh, the focus was on getting rates into restrictive territory, and they were going to do that for a pretty wide range of of, of data. Um, I think they now agree, and I would, and we would agree, that rates are in. Uh, restrictive territory. They have to keep them there uh, for a while. And I really do think for the first time in this cycle, uh, there is some data dependence. You know, For example, they did skip or pause at the last uh, uh, meeting, and the chair did not want to rule out that they could uh, pause at future meetings. But he also did want to rule out they could go at the next two uh, meetings. So more optionality now for the Powell Fed than I think that we've seen in some time.
0: Obviously, there's going to be a recession at some point. The question is when. Uh, On the one hand, we're seeing strong economic surprises to the upside. If you look at the Bloomberg economic surprise indicator, it's really spiked over the past few uh, weeks. And on the other hand, we're seeing things like delinquencies on car loans starting to uh, ratchet higher, right? Savings and uh, bank balances starting to come down. What's your take on a recession and, and when we're going to
3: get it?
4: I think you phrased the the question well, uh, Matt. There will at some point be a recession. We've not banished uh, the business uh, cycle. Uh, Economists are not good at a lot of things. And one of the things we're not good at is, is forecasting recessions. If we do get a recession, say, later this year, or early next year, it'll probably be one of the most anticipated or forecasted recessions in my professional career. Um, our baseline view is, you know, monetary policy does operate uh, with a lag. We've seen a tightening in lending standards uh, by by banks. The leading indicators are a negative territory the curve is inverted so all the classic uh, signals are flashing uh, a recession uh, either later this year or or next year the labor market traditionally is a lagging indicator it's certainly lagging uh, in uh, uh, this uh, cycle it would be great if we could get uh, a soft or softish landing so we're not putting a zero probability uh, on that uh, but we do think uh, that uh, altogether that a recession is, is more likely than not